Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Ah, oh, praise God. Lily, keep that anointing going. We need some in the front row. Father, we sang, we, we sang, I'm not sure the words, but we sang, when I see the cross, I see freedom. When I see the grave, I see Jesus. Is that correct? When I Think about that. When I see the cross, I see freedom. When I see something terrible, horrific, negative, I can see freedom. When I see a grave as death, no, I can see, see Jesus. And just as a singer, I felt the Holy Spirit say, we go through things in life. What do we see? when we go through the cross, the grave, the suffering, the persecution, the challenge, the health issues, because we can see freedom, we can see Jesus, even in those things. What do you see? What, what are you looking to see? Holy Spirit, we're just asking for you to have your way. We love you so much. You're so wonderful. Lord, let your spirit just flow in this place in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Thank you, Lily. You can come and have a seat now. <clears throat> Praise God. How you doing, church? You doing well? How about the rest of you? Great. Adrian, good? <laughs> Oh, praise God. I want to talk about the church that Jesus is coming back for. The church. God's good. The church that Jesus is coming back for. Well, let's see if we can get past the, the opening statement. We'll do our best. But uh, uh, as I've learned more and more over the years, my job is not to go somewhere my job is to keep in step with the spirit and as God said to me years ago and, and uh, if I'm leading then it's not interrupting that's what the Holy Spirit said to me when I said feel free to interrupt any time you you want when I'm preaching he goes if I'm leading it's not interrupting so that's a fair call here so let's talk about the church that Jesus is coming back for I'm determined to stay relaxed this morning and my hands are in my pocket I'm just gonna come on Steve McCracken just be you the church that Jesus is coming back for. How many people believe that Jesus is coming back? Yeah. Come on, let's have some, let's, let's engage in church this morning. Jesus is coming back. Can I hear someone shout amen? The end of the book doesn't end in defeat. It ends in victory. Come on. And Jesus is coming back for a church that is a bride, that is spotless, that is blameless, that is righteous, that is holy, that is not tainted by the world, that is not looking like the world, that is not similar to the world, is not familiar with the world's way, but is a, a, a bride that actually is prepared spotless for Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk about the church just for a couple of moments because we, we need to understand who the church is. We understand what the church does more than what, who the church is. The greatest question that we often ask ourselves is, what am I called to do? But the better question is, who is the church called to be? 
It's not what am I called to do. It's not me, me, me. It's who are we? Who is the church called to be? The church is not this building on Sunday. It's not a Sunday meeting. It's not life groups. It is not administration. It is not finances. It is not worship. It is not preaching. These are all um, ingredients and elements that help facilitate. But it's not what the church is. In the Greek, the word church means a calling out. Come on. Come on. A calling out. I'm doing my best to stay relaxed, Callum. A calling out. A calling out. Let's think about this. The church is not just we can come along and life just goes on the same. I was once unsaved. Now I'm saved. Life is pretty much the same. But now at least I've got the Jesus tag. That's not the church. It is a calling out. What a calling out of what? Oh, I want to just lean in a little bit. A calling out from death into life, church. That is what we are calling out. Come on. Uh, We are called out from death into life. Spiritual death into spiritual life. We are called out of darkness into light. We are called out of slavery into freedom. We are called out of hopelessness into hope. We are called out of despondency into joy. We are called out of torment of our minds into the peace because we've got the mind of Jesus Christ. The church is not just a, oh, the same, same, but with a different name. We are actually called out people. It's a shift in position, a shift in location, a shift in DNA. Oh, think about a calling now. God breaks it down for me. A calling and out. A calling. When, you're a, when there's a calling, it's someone inviting you. A calling, I'm inviting you. God Almighty invites me. God Almighty invites you. But a calling is also a giving of a name too. Come on. He gave his name to us, Christians, Christ. He gave his name to us. It is also about taking on an identity. The church is not just a group of people. It's a called out people, but it's the ones with a calling, invited by God, given the name of God, given the identity of God. Isn't this good news? I'm lifting our vision to who the church is. But it's a calling out. There's got to be a shift of position. It's not about static. Well, I'm in the same place that I was 10 years ago. There's got to be a shifting of position. It's out of darkness into light. It's out of the habitual lifestyle into freedom. Come on, church. It's out of your home into the corporate gathering. Praise God we had technology last year. And we can watch from home in our pajamas. Come on, church, with your coffee and your feet up on the seat. But praise God that we're not called in our homes to stay in our homes because we will not forsake the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. There are some things that God Almighty will only do in the corporate that He won't do in the individual because He doesn't like isolation because isolation ends in error and destruction. 
Satan raised himself up and was cast out. But God himself exists in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, we are one body fitly joined together. We are not one body scattered members. You just think about this with your own body. If your head's over there, your arm's over there, your leg's over there. Come on, your brain's in another suburb. You ain't going to be a functioning, healthy body. Members are meant to be connected. This is the church. This is the church. And there's a false theology that says, I don't need that. I can do it all online. I would say to you, you are immature. You don't know the Bible. You don't know the power of unity and coming together. If that offends you, you need to be offended. You need to move position. It's about coming together. It's about being a body together. It says, I'm not going to forsake gathering together as some are now in the habit of doing. Hebrews 10, read it. And I'm going to do it all the more as I see the day of the Lord approaching because Jesus is coming back for his church. So it's calling out from our homes to the corporate gathering. But it's also a calling out from the corporate gathering back into our homes. Hang on, Steve, which one is it? Hang on. They met day to day. They meet week by week together in homes. I want to tell you, this is a place where God can speak so many amazing things and we can come into His presence. Come on. The day of Pentecost, they came together in one accord. But where discipleship happens is in the homes. Jesus were 12 constantly around the table and meals and together. We need to be people that are called out of this gathering into homes. We need to meet in homes. We need the blessing and the favor of God on our homes. Come on, church. Come on, we need to start to declare this home. This home is a home, is a dwelling place of God Almighty. And then we need to have a calling out from the corporate gatherings and from our homes into all the world. It is time for Christians to stop living in fear of what's happening in the world and rather going into the world full of faith and love. We are perpetuating the fear and we are called out carrying His name, carrying His image. Carrying his power, carrying his passion, carrying his spirit of revelation and his spirit of wisdom. Oh, darkness, darkness is best lit up, light best exists, where it's dark at these guys' house last night. And I was saying to Ricard there, the, the lights that were on, it was in the evening, the lights that were on in the house, there was other lights on, and so you could see them, but they didn't draw attention. Um, but, you know, if you've got in the middle of day, you turn on lights and there's sunshine outside, you hardly notice them. But you come at night, you turn off every other light, turn on just one set of lights, and man, it lights up everything. Because the darkness makes the light brighter. we got to stop fearing the world. We're sent out into Jesus, sent out the 72. Jesus sent out the 12. Jesus said, now I'm sending you out. There is a sending out, a calling out. That's who the church is. In your work, in your family, wherever you may be going, you are the light of the world. But the light's no good if we cover it up. We're a called out people. Amen? 
I reckon I'm still reasonably relaxed. Praise God. Holy Spirit's really been talking to me, and I, I want to download just something here for a little bit here today, the church that Jesus is coming back for. He's been really taking me deep into Revelation 2 and 3. Bit of light reading, Revelation, book of Revelation. How many people like the book of Revelation? Amen. Praise God. Very misunderstood, but that we need to understand here. The book of Revelation was a revelation that God gave to John on the island of Patmos. He was in a place there. It says he was there because of the word of God and because of the testimony of Jesus. In other words, I believe he was probably there in, in prison, there because he was suffering for righteousness. And yet he has a revelation from Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that if you're in a difficult place, God doesn't stop talking? How many people love the book of Philippians? How many people love the book? Of, come on, Ephesians and Colossians. I love them. They're some of my favorite books written from prison. Don't believe God can't speak when you're in a dark place. Expect him to speak. Expect him to speak. But God gives this revelation to John. And part of it is in Revelation 2 and 3 is Jesus is, is, gives him a revelation of seven last days churches. And if you read it, it's brilliant reading. But Jesus introduces himself to this, the seven churches seven different ways. Then he says, um, I know this about you. I commend you for this. Interesting. There was one church he had nothing to commend them for. That's, that's devastating. I'm not going to be that church. Are you going to be that church? Come on. We're not going to be that church. And then, there's the, and then he says, but I've got this against you. And he says, there's some things that, come on, there's in the church that, we, we, uh, that shouldn't be in the church. There's two churches he had nothing against. How good is that? That's, that's a category I want to be in, anyone else? Nothing to commend or nothing to condemn. Which one do you want? I want to be in this one here. Come on, church. Come on, church. And then he finishes with seven different eternal promises that have two conditions. And that's what I want to talk about for a few moments here today. The only thing he says to all seven churches, there's only two things he says. The first one is this. You know it well. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the media is saying to you continually. What your Facebook and your Twitter and your Instagram and your emotions and your feelings. Come on. No, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. If you want something to live your life by, live your life by that. Whoever has ears, whoever is listening, leaning in, God, oh, today I've got to hear what your Spirit is saying. And it says to the churches. As Sally said yesterday, not to the church. To the churches, read it. It's plural. And it literally means that coming together. I've said it before, but i say it again. There are some things that God will only speak in the corporate, that he will not speak in the private. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your prayer closet. But that's not doesn't mean you go and pray by yourself, but you don't gather together because his last command was gather together and pray together until the Spirit comes down and make sure you're not going out until the Spirit comes in. Whoever has ears, come on, we got to hear what the Spirit says. But here's the second thing he said. 
And it's the only thing he said to all seven churches. And it was the condition for receiving the seven eternal promises. Here it is. To the one who is victorious. This is what I want to talk about. The church that Jesus Christ is coming back for is victorious. Is victorious. Come on, church, lean in with me just for a few minutes. Is victorious. He said, I've had these things against you. I need you to hear now what the Spirit is saying. And I need you to be victorious in what I am saying to you. And so that you will enter into the eternal rewards of God. What does it mean to be victorious? It means you win a victory. That sucks. Because we want it easy. We, we, we don't want to go through the challenges, do we? Come on, anyone to, today? It, but this is what God spoke to me. It literally means to win a victory, to be triumphant. And he started to speak to me because last year I was going through some tough times. You go through tough times. We all go through tough times. Anybody, anybody, anybody? And I said to God, I wish it was was easier. And he goes, I wish you were stronger. Thanks. Good, good chat. <laughs> I might come back tomorrow, see if you got anything else. But God is looking for a church that is victorious. And it means to win a battle, to gain the victory. We eliminate the battles. God wants us to win the victories. There is nothing sweeter than winning a victory. And God says, do you not know that you, I have put my spirit in you? Come on. I have given you authority over all the enemy's powers. You submit to God. You resist the devil. He's got to flee from you. You are seated with me in heavenly places. Do you know that the spirit of God lives in you? In fact, God says in Ephesians 1, you need to understand this power that is at work in you is the same power that the Father raised Jesus from the dead. We sang the songs. This is victorious. It's not in your own strength. It's not in my own strength. We got to stop trying to win a spiritual victory in natural strength. Do you not know that you do not fight flesh and blood? It's not just fight against flesh and blood. It's fight in flesh and blood. Come on. It is fighting spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. Spiritual armor. Ephesians, come on, six. Put on the armor of God. And it's not your wit, your intelligence, your determination. Come on. It is the things that are of the Spirit, the bout of truth. Come on. Make sure you got truth on. Because you know the truth, the truth will set you free. You'll come into victory if you've got the truth on. The truth is in God's Word, not a man's opinions. It's in God's Word, not in government declarations. Can I go there? We need to know the truth. We need to know the truth. We need to have the shield of faith. We need to have the sword of the Spirit. God is looking for some strong Christians, not strong in yourself. The Bible says be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Be strong in the Lord, who He is, and in His mighty power, what He can do. Who He is and what He can do. Mm. Praise God. I'm, I, I'm telling myself, I'm telling my emotions, I'm telling my mind. I'm just telling you honestly here today. I am regularly telling myself I'm better than that. I'm stronger than that because God is in me. I don't have to think that way. I don't have to feel that way. Come on, Steve, get yourself up. You need to understand getting out of bed this morning, I had to speak to myself. 
I realize in the, in the last couple of months since we've been here, I, this is my 26th meeting. I'm tired. I had to speak to myself. I'm not getting your sympathy. I'm telling you, we need to stop thinking it's easier for them. It's easier for them. It's easier for them. No, I have to say I am strong in the Lord. I am strong in His mighty power. I can't, but He can. And I can do all things through Christ to give me strength. Jesus is coming back for a church standing up strong in the Lord. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. Speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Rejoice in the Lord always, says a man who is beaten and in chains and in a Roman prison 2,000 years ago. Come on, I'm going to say it again in case you're not listening. Rejoice in the Lord. Don't be anxious about anything, says a man in beating and in prison. Because he got to the end of his life and he says, man, I've finished my race. I've kept the faith. Oh, Hebrews 11. All these people lived in faith and they died in faith. Many still waiting to see the promise. I will believe God when you answer my prayer. No, I will believe even if you don't. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are going to get thrown in a fiery furnace. Oh, our God can save us. And our God will save us. But even if He doesn't, we will not bow the knee. Oh, we think that's double-mindedness. No, that is a confident trust my God will because I know His character. But if He doesn't the way I think He will, I will not dictate to Him that He is out of character. I will say, I don't understand, but God, you're good. People in the world say, you Christians are out of your minds. And I've said for a long time, if you're not out of your minds, then I'm not sure you're a Christian. Because you need to be out of your mind. Your mind is your problem. I can't think it. I can't understand it. Since when has that got anything to do with the spiritual faith journey? How's that working now for us, church? Woo! Oh, sorry. I told you it's going to be relaxed. Rabashakianda. Jesus is coming. Is anyone all good? Are we good in church? Uh, I'm preaching. I, I just want to impart something deep. God is coming back for a victorious church. I reckon I can just download a few more things in the next. Let's go 10 minutes. It is possible that I'm quite comfortable in this church. It is possible. I'm too comfortable in this church, Don. It is possible that in the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joys. And that too many Christians have been baptized in lemon juice. God is coming back for a victorious. Is this okay, Pastor Stephen? He's coming back for a victorious church. I'm going to stand before him one day and hear well done, good and faithful sinner. Anyone want to go with me? Now, I reckon in the next seven minutes, I can download seven points. I believe in miracles. <laughs> do you? Do you? Bit of DC talk. Um, there are specific things in these end days that God wants us to be victorious in. And let me just plant some seeds. You might have to stay around for the next one or get the podcast or... 
Something radical, go and ask the Holy Spirit yourself what it means. And the things that God is calling when it says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church, to the one who is victorious, here's your reward. What is he calling us to be victorious over? This is what the Lord said to me. I'm calling you to be victorious over the things that I've just said, I have this against you. In Revelation 2 and 3. He says, I know this is about you, but I've got this against you. I need you to be victorious. I need you to win the victorious. Are you with me? So we got some scriptures, someone? Let's go Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. Can we do that? Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, come on. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. The first thing that God wants us to be victorious against is forsaking our first love. Becoming over familiar with God. We can serve God, serve God, serve God, serve God. But God is calling a people that love him and seek him even more than they serve him. Come on. Come on. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And anyone who comes to God, I'm quoting Hebrews 11, 6. Um, anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those. Come on, eternal rewards. Those who diligently serve him. No, those who diligently seek him. If we're not careful, we will replace serving God. Sorry, seeking God with serving God. And then he goes, but I never knew you. So the first thing is victorious over forsaking first love. I told you rapid fire. Next one here, Revelation 2, verse 10. Praise God. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. This is a very encouraging verse, everybody. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison. Isn't this, this is Anyone feeling encouraged? Build up? To test you. And you will suffer persecution. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone say thank you, Jesus. For 10 days. But be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Even to the point of death. It's, it's getting better. And I will give you life as your victor's crown. Oh, that, no, Steve, that's got nothing to do with us. That's like the persecuted church in, in China. This is a persecuted church in, in Afghanistan. no. That is just coming to the shores of Australia and New Zealand in the coming years. Mark my words, God has drawn a line in the sand where he's saying to people, you can't be on both sides of this line. You can't be for me and against me. You can't be in the world, in the church. Do you truly, will you truly be willing to suffer for righteousness sake? And God says, I'm going to give a crown to those who are victorious in suffering. That's the second thing, in suffering. And now the next two which I'm going to read two in a row, which is the third and fourth church. It's the only church he said the same thing, I've got something against you. How many people think then we better pay attention if he's saying it twice? So let's go to verse, uh, I think it's 14 and 15, of nevertheless I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam. Let me just tell you, Balaam means false teacher. It means perhaps. Just think about that. Perhaps. Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Did he really say you can't eat of the fruit of the tree? Did he really say you can't look at that, touch that, have that? Is God really, maybe God's holding out on you, perhaps, perhaps questioning God's character. Are you with me, church? To the teaching of Balaam who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin. This has got nothing to do with the world. This has to do with the church. This, this false teacher who comes and questions who God is and what God says caused the people of God to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols God said that's contamination and to 
sexual immorality in all its forms. Now go to verse 20, if you will, please, guys. Praise God. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel. Just We've had Balaam, false teacher. We had the Nicolaitans, the Nicolaitans there. I don't think that went up, one went up, but it's the Nicolaitans. It also talks about in that second church. And they are the ones who hold to the teaching of Balaam. In other words, they were false teachers too. And now we've got, nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel. Do you know what Jezebel means? It's synonymous with false teacher. So we've got three times false teaching. Who calls herself a prophet, and by her teaching, she mis- this is Jesus speaking, she misleads my servants. My people, the church, into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. You go, what does that mean to us? It means everything to us in the world that we live in. Where the enemy has come and polluted God's original intention. And now if it feels good, it's okay. We've got decrees even in our governments now. Are you with me, church? This is so important because he, this whole thing is Jesus is coming back for a victorious church. And all of these three, the Balaam, the Nicolaitans, and Jezebel, it was false teaching that was so subtle and so persuasive that it led God's people. I need you to hear what the Spirit is saying. It led God's people away from truth so that even we say, it's okay, it's okay, because it's all about grace. It's okay, it's okay. But it goes to contamination and sexual immorality in all its form, gender issues, sexual issues, and other issues. And God says, I need you to be victorious until the very end. I need a people who will stand up for truth and righteousness, who will not buy into the world's way, will not be silenced. And this, let me hear hit the nail on the head right now go back to the one previously you're about to suffer persecution you're about to you're about to be tested in many ways but I need you to stand strong until the end so that you receive the victor's crown what is the context I need you to stand strong you will be persecuted if you stand up for righteousness and say no what God calls sin is sin and what God calls holy is holy if you say that publicly now we're we are in we're in um what's the word we, we could be arrested. We could get a criminal offense with the new legislation that has gone through. I just, I just need the church to hear what the Spirit is saying. We have got so politically correct that we've got, we are not, no longer biblically correct. Jesus talked about sin, and why did he do it? To condemn. He said to the woman caught in adultery, I'm not condemning you, but go and sin no more. He still caught it sin, because unless people know it's sin, they're not going to repent. And unless they repent, they cannot be forgiven from sin. And unless they're forgiven of sin, they can't enter into a relationship with Jesus. We think we're doing people a service. By watering down the truth, we are prolonging salvation. We are robbing people of an encounter with God. And God is coming back for a church who is victorious against coming, um, going away from first love, about victorious in suffering. You need to understand, you need to make some decisions ahead of time. What will happen if I'm asked some questions? What will happen if I'm in conversation? Am I going to stand up for Jesus or against Jesus? You might say, no, I'm not going to, it's not that black and white. I'm just maybe, it is that black and white. Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. That's what Jesus said. And it's time for the church to know the truth 
and speak the truth in love. Can I just say we need the wisdom of God on how to do it? I'm not talking about putting your head up just to have it shot off. Okay? I'm not doing, I'm not saying that. We need God's wisdom. Can I hear an amen to that? But you need to make some decisions ahead of time. Am I going to be victorious or not? Can we put up the next one? And I'm almost done here. Uh, I think it's Revelation 3, 1 and 2. Praise God. Uh, to the angel of the church of Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God, the sevenfold spirit of God, and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. You have a reputation that everything's wonderful and that you are all for God, but internally you're dead. What is this? This is hypocrisy. God says, I need you to be victorious against hypocrisy. God says to you right now, man and woman of God, I'm not calling you to be perfect in your own strength, but I am calling your lives and your lips to actually be in harmony with my spirit. I'm calling your lives and your lips. Don't talk about, well, we worship you, we worship you, God, we honor you, Lord, we love you, Lord, we love you, Lord, we surrender to you, and then go out into the workplace and live a life that rather than points people to the God that we profess on a Sunday, it actually puts up a wall, a barrier to keep people from God. Because they say, well, if that's what Christians are like, I want nothing to do with it. In the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, when he says, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, it's not don't blaspheme, is don't say something in the name of God that's not God so that you misrepresent God. And rather than people be drawn towards God, they actually step away from God. There is a holy responsibility, and God says, be victorious to the end. Verse 2, wake up, strengthen what remains, and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. God says, I want you to be victorious against not finishing what I've given you to do, says the Lord. Jesus said in John 17, verse 3, I have brought you glory, Father, by finishing the work that you gave me to do. Praise God. Ephesians 2.10 says, Now that we are God's workmanship, we are created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he actually prepared in advance for us to do. Paul said, as I quoted before, I have finished. I've finished. Jesus said, it is finished. God is looking for some people that know his will. And if you say, I'm not sure his will, read his word. God's will is revealed in God's word. But he's looking for some people that when the time comes, when we either go to glory or glory comes to us, come on with Jesus coming. He's coming back for a glorious church. We hear, well done, you finished all. Callum, Kim, we've finished all that God has called us to do. The last one here is Revelation 3, I think it's verse 15. You guys are good. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Here's the last thing. I, I need a church that's victorious over becoming lukewarm. Don't you think it's quite connected to the first one about first love? Let's keep it about him. Can I hear a name in church? This is, what I, this is what I simply wanted to come and say to us today. The church is a called out people. Think about what we're called out from, that we're called people. We've got his name. We've got his identity, that we're called out. We're sent out, but we're also called to be victorious. I want to encourage everyone that is at all serious about God and God's rule and reign in your life this week, every day, every day, read Revelation 2 and 3, every day. 
and just say, Spirit, would you speak to me? Because it says this is who God is. This is what I love about the church. This is what I've got a problem. Now, come on, let's hear what the Spirit's saying. Let's be victorious. And then read the eternal promises because they are glorious. They are glorious, but they are to the ones who are victorious. Revered church, we're a victorious church. Stand with me. Stand with me, church. Praise God. Lift your hand to heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you that we are called according to your purposes, not our desires. Lord, we are a church that will have ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And we cry out to you that you are glorified. This is what I feel. God, we pray that you're glorified by our living and by our dying. Our living for you and our dying to self. Come on, Lord, that we're ones who walk in the spirit and we do not gratify the lust of the flesh. Lord, that we get the spirit part right first. So it's not works-based, it's spirit-led. And we declare as one church, we are those people who embrace today afresh that we are called out. That we are ones who will live listening to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. If, I, if you agree with this, I, I just want you shouting amen, coming into agreement. And we are ones who will be victorious until the end. Lord, we will know the truth. We will stand upon the truth. We will speak the truth in love. We will have our light shining. We will have our soul, Lord, sharp and just, just flavorsome, almighty God. We will be the ones that the world can look at and they are pointed to Jesus Christ and that the people will come into a relationship with the Father through our lives, through this church, for the glory of God. And everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.